Hey, what's up? My name is Grant Kenoki. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, and artist, and you're listening to Power 98.5. We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Hi, this is Dan Aykroyd. He's progressive. He's beautiful. He's thoughtful. He's intelligent. He's powerful. He's positive. He is Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. Empowering listeners from the U.S. to the U.K. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco. For home, Mayhew out front. Gomez, Mendonca, and Vidovin trying to chase. Nick Mayhew holding strong. Mayhew pulling away. The Tokyo Games belong to Nick Mayhew. World record. Third gold. 22 seconds first time that's happened in t37 history and you can kind of see the gravity of this entire week hitting him here as he finished that race with his third gold medal and the fifth time he broke a world record over the course of these paralympic games that one looked like it affected him it really did maybe it was the 22 maybe it was the gold medal the winning breaking a gold world record in the heats was just moving forward Winning the gold medal and breaking the world record, that's huge. And you can see how much it actually is affecting him. Ends up with a 3,300s win over Andre Vadovin, who also went under the world record time. Ricardo Gomez de Mendonca of Brazil took bronze. He starts out so well. He gets out well. That's the strength of his race. I wanted to see if he was going to be able to use the slingshot effect. You heard it, Nick Mayhew. We have gotten such great response from Instagram, some emails. Yes, we still do emails here at Power 98.5. And let me tell you something, it works. Nick Mayhew is the 100 meter world and American record holder and 200 meter American record holder, dual team USA athlete, midfielder for the United States, para 7A side, national team sprinter for the u.s para track and field national team and public speaker he is a soccer uh, i'm going to say a soccer pro we're going to find out more about what he's doing with soccer he's going to be coming up with a book uh, there's so many things that nick is doing he's an extraordinary young talent young man i'm going to tell you fashion designer john varvados varvados really needs to present nick with uh with a really great offer i would love to see him on some really you know good billboards in la new york japan all around the world with us today here and all around the world good morning good afternoon and good evening live on air with stephen quoke on power 98.5 exclusive interview three-time gold medalist, one silver, Nick Mayhew, 
Welcome to Power 98.5. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. That was quite an entrance. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. You deserve it. I appreciate it. Where do we begin? Like, where are you currently at right now in your life and in your career? What's going on? I'm currently in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, in my mom's house down here. We, we uh, recently just moved her down here um, from Virginia, where I was born and raised. And, um, you know, my brother's down here with his fiance. My mom's now down here. And I'm actually in the process of figuring out where my next residence is going to be. You know, whether it's going to be here or elsewhere to continue my training, um, whatever best suits my career um personally but uh looking forward to the new year and getting back to training getting back to work what do you prefer the hot weather or cold weather hot absolutely <laughs> did you ever think of so, maybe vegas i mean anywhere that'll have me honestly if i can just wake <laughs> up and look at a palm tree that's where i want to be but you know uh, after i retire i can do everything i want so right now it's just about grinding and being where i need to be you know i, I would love to be in florida but mm -hmm. You know that I might have to hold off for a little bit. I, I think for what it's worth, I, do you prefer dry heat or moist heat? <clears throat> I don't. I don't. Pref I don't really prefer one or the other. I don't. I just love the heat. You know, I growing up in Virginia and experiencing, you know, all four seasons in one day. Mm -hmm. I'm over it. You know, I've I've lived there my entire life, and I, I've had my fair share of seasons in the cold weather and the dirty snow. So, you know, I just want to live a couple of years at least with just some palm trees and warm weather all the time. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Vegas, to me, I think you would do very, very well, not only for the simple fact that I lived there for three years, three and a half years. It really has a great lifestyle, great parties. When you are a local, it's very different than a tourist. You get a lot more perks mm -hmm. as a local. Um, when I think of palm trees, I think of, you know, Palm Springs. That was another place that I lived, dry heat. I'm from the East Coast. I understand, mm -hmm. you know, where your thoughts are at when it comes to four seasons, but, uh, <laughs> but definitely, yeah, I mean, find that place, find that warm spot. And I'm right there with you because I'm not, uh, into winter much anymore. Yeah, not at all. I mean, my mom's a little upset. She wants me on the East coast still. So that's why she's kind of vetoing the West coast right now, but <laughs> you know, I can't say no to mom. So we'll see. I'm probably going to stay on the East coast for at least a couple more years until after Paris probably. Okay. Hey, well, keep us all posted and notified because the way it looks like on your Instagram, Nick, you're all over the world. You're traveling more than I, I, I think I ever could have in the last 10 years. It's been, it's been, uh, you know, I've been doing nothing but training for the last two and a half, three years, you know, so I just needed to, as soon as I got back, you know, I, I had an injury that I picked up while I was in Tokyo. So I knew that I just had to get out, relax, um, travel a little bit and enjoy the, you know, make up for a little, a couple of years of just not being able to, especially with the pandemic and everything, you know, it was good to get out and just relax a little bit. Have you found that during this time, have you healed a lot more? Have you recovered a lot more when it comes to conditioning, exercising, working out? What's your lifestyle like even when it comes to eating habits? I mean, absolutely. I've definitely, see, that's the thing is that before, before I started this, this um, transition in track and field, you know, back in 2019, I was playing soccer professionally for the U.S. national team um, for you know, two and a half, three years. And I thought that I would consider myself a pro, you know, mentally and physically and being able to recover and knowing what I needed. And I was at a good point for soccer and then transitioning to track and field. It, it truly changed my entire life, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, you know, and what it takes to be a true pro athlete um, in the sport of track and field and to be an Olympian or a Paralympian. I mean, 
Um, I learned things about my body that I never knew. Um, you know, my coach, Justin Cavanaugh, um, in Reston, Virginia, he, he really introduced me to, to a, a whole new life that I never knew um, and what it takes to be a true pro. And so now, I mean, I, I wake up and do exactly, I mean, I, I eat, I eat, drink, and, you know, the same things while I'm training. In the off-season, it looks a little, a little different. You know, I enjoy Oreos a lot more um, in the off-season. Um, but, you know, even in season, you know, I, I still, I still enjoy a sleeve or two every now and then. And, um, but it's pretty strict, you know, my brother's pretty strict on that. He's a health nut, my coaches as well. Um, but they, you know, they're, they've hammered it, um, down to a T with me. Um, so I really know, you know, what works best for me, um, day in and day out, what it takes to recover. Um, and, you know, I have all credit to track and field and those closest to me for all of that. For those that are tuning in, we have three-time gold medalist, one silver, Paralympic, uh, and I'm, I'm going to honestly say champion, worldwide champion, Nick Mayhew with us today. Uh, you know, I said to you, and if you don't mind me saying, before we went live, I see you, I understand that you competed in the Paralympic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I see you as... I don't look at you as having a disability. I believe you've surpassed that narrative. I believe that you have come to garner such recognition to inspire everyone. And you did mention uh, your interest in getting, you know, into public speaking. And I would love to see you do some really great book tours when your book comes out and we'll get more into that. But I, mm-hmm. I really see you as someone that, has transcended beyond by saying, you know what, here's where I'm at. Here's what I've done. Here's what's been written about what's been talked about. And yes, you do compete in the the Paralympics. At the same time, though, you have really presented such, if you like to say normalcy, if that's the right word or, or familiarity Mm -hmm. to the fact to where it's beyond that now. It's a fact Mm -hmm. that you are competing to the best of your ability. You are competing with other equal competitors to show that what your normal is. Is that making sense? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, that's, that's a very good way to put it. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's frustrating to sort of try to say it the right way because there is no correct or right or proper way to say anything, you know, for 14 years of my life, um, you know, I grew up a quote unquote normal kid. And I mean, if you were to talk to any disabled athlete, anybody on team USA that competed in Tokyo, um, you know, from the outside, everyone thinks to be sensitive and to really, you know, cater the way they talk to somebody because they don't want to hurt their feelings. But there's not a single athlete on that team that I was with, one of my teammates that I was with in Tokyo that I would consider sensitive or would downplay their disability or not want to talk about it, you know, because that's, there's such a negative connotation with the word disability. And I, for one, you know, was a victim of that and, you know, stood behind that for a long, long time. You know, I grew up, I was born with cerebral palsy. You know, I always knew that there was something different about my left side, but I never knew what it was. It just kind of felt a little less than my right. And that's the, that's the easiest way to put it. You know, I couldn't squeeze things as hard. I couldn't type on a computer with my left hand. I failed the recorder in middle school, uh, a silly little musical instrument. Um, and I couldn't tie my shoes till a certain age. And I used to lock myself in my room and teach myself how to walk back and forth without a limp in my left leg. So I w- wouldn't be seen as different than other kids. And, you know, being as young as I was, I was just ignorant to 
the entire world of disability, the, you know, the unknowingness of what I was going through and what I had been born with. But that was my life, you know, having a brother that was five and a half years older than me, um, that played soccer at a very high level and me wanting to just play with him and his friends and his teammates and be better than he was. I just pushed myself to be the best athlete I could be, uh, you know, with or without my left side. And, you know, I grew up playing at the highest level of soccer at every age group that I could. And then, you know, having a grand mall seizure at 14 and being told the very next day that I would never be able to play soccer again by one of my neurologists, you know, completely flipped my world upside down. Um, and then, you know, I had to deal with, you know, not being able to play soccer and being told I was disabled and all these things that was just, you tell an ignorant, stubborn 14 year old in 2010, you know, the, the era that I was born into, you know, very entitled and stubborn and thinks he knows everything in the world and comes to terms with reality that he knows nothing about anything. And now I'm being put into a world I knew absolutely nothing about that has such a negative connotation towards it. And I've tried to stray away from that negative connotation for such a long time. And there's no proper way to do it. But I think you did a very good job because I've never, I've never seen myself as a disabled person too. You know, I, I never, um, I think, labeled myself as that. Um, I never really put myself in a category as that because I never wanted to feel sorry for myself or I never wanted to give myself a reason to give up because it's a very good reason. You know, it's, it would have been the easiest thing in the world for me to sit across from my neurologist, hear her tell me that I would never be able to play soccer again and say, you know what, you're right. And, and tell me, tell myself that I wasn't good enough. And, oh, it's just because I have cerebral palsy. I can't play professionally. I can't play in division one college. I can't win you know, a championship. I can't score a couple goals. I'll never be able to play for my national team and, uh, you know, win player of the year or do any of that. And, you know, I woke up one day and, and said that I could either use this for my story and feel sorry for, for myself or, you know, I could go and achieve everything that I know that I can do and it'll be a legendary story one day. And that's exactly what I've done. And the craziest thing now is to be on the other side of it and understand what it is, what the world of disability is, you know, what the word actually means, the people that it affects, um, you know, every day of their life, what they've been through and how positive of a change I can have if I go about it the right way. And that's what I'm trying to do. And the craziest part of it all is I'm 25 years old. I just finished with my first Paralympics and, you know, I did, I made history, but it's just getting started. This is just the beginning, and I'm just scratching the surface in, in you know, in the track and field world and in the Paralympic world. And by the time I'm done, I, I want to be the, you know, the Usain Bolt of the Paralympics. I want to be a legendary name that nobody will ever be able to forget. The word disability, I believe, should just remain in reference when needed to medical records for insurance purposes, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. I believe the industry should use the word adaptability. I like that. Yeah. And let me tell you why adaptability, the quality of being able to adjust to new conditions, the capacity to be modified for a new use or purpose. You're doing this. You're, you, you're equals of people that are professionals that are going out there and saying, I'm not going to be defined by a word. I'm not going to mm -hmm. be defined by a medical condition or medical community. So this is why I don't see it as a disability. It is important, once again, for medical records, for identification, for whatever may need, mental, uh, physical therapy, medications, whatever. But when you are out there in a the public eye, when you are competing 
That is adaptability. The quality of being able to adjust to new conditions. Every human being in every walk of life is adapting to new conditions, mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, physically. So that's the, that's uh, on record. I would like to say, start using the word adaptability. As like a, you like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And that's a, it's actually a, uh, one of my friends. We actually came upon this, um, one of my friends, Hunter Woodhull. He, um, he's a double leg amputee, um, competes in the Paralympics, uh, big time on social media. He's, he's an amazing person, a really good friend of mine. And we were actually in Tokyo sitting, um, after one of our events and we were talking about the Paralympics and the name of it, you know, why is it? Because people refer to para, the first thing they think is paraplegic. And, you know, there's been a lot of times where I've been in interviews and interviewers are ignorant to the fact of what that word actually means. And they'll say, you know, how does it feel to be your paraplegic? And I'll correct them and say, you know, that's not, uh, I'm not a paraplegic. That actually means this and go on and say, and explain that. And they're like, oh, well, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean any disrespect. I just didn't know. And that's the problem. And Hunter actually said, you know, it should be called the Olympics and with an A because it should be the adaptive Olympics. You know, it's just to go off from what you said, you know, it's just ordinary people just adapting and, and learning to compensate and live their life what's best for them just like any other any anybody else that would be considered normal you know and so i completely agree but i think that it should be that the paralympics should be changed to the olympics just like you know hunter said i completely understand i like the word adaptive that's that's very good which leads us now into the book is this a topic point that you would like to include to educate and i'm going to tell you i really believe for where you're going and where you are at, Nick, it is something that should be talked about and included. You know, how, like, what do you plan on having, or can you give us any like certain drops or like little gems at all of what would be in the book? What would be chapter one? Where are you going in the future with this? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just going to be pretty much a summary of what I've done. You know, the, I'm going to do it pretty hard into, you know, the hardships that I had to face because one of my biggest things is the mental side of everything. Mental health is a very big piece and it's been brought to light, you know, by Simone Biles and, you know, by a lot of other athletes, Michael Phelps, you know, Sean White and a lot of other Olympic athletes to keep it in the Olympic space. But, you know, across the country and across the world, mental health is a very big thing. And that's something I'm going to dip hard into because that's something I've struggled with, you know, for a long long time um and so that's probably going to be you know chapter one and and it's probably just going to be an introduction to myself you know the things i was born into you know my unique family you know the the lifestyle i had growing up the dynamic of you know my family and just the support system that i've always had has been you know the biggest thing to me and then you know dip into um you know my athletic experience and things that i'm gonna i'm gonna do because the one thing the biggest thing for me is when i when i publicly speak especially to kids um you know who are in high school or middle school are is definitely just the 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 quote it's okay to not be okay um you know, that's, that's the biggest thing to me because a lot of people, especially teenagers and, you know, people going through things, young adults going through things, trying to figure themselves out. And they think that, you know, they're being told by the time you graduate college, by the, by the time you turn, you know, this age, you need to have figured it out and have a career and do all these things. And, and I've, in the past couple of years, I've met 
men and women in their 30s, 40s, and, and you know, 50s who have no idea who they are. I'm um, still trying to figure it out. And I'm a victim of that as well. You know, I'm still learning about, you know, who I am and what I want to do. So it's probably going to dip, you know, just into the general life aspect of, you know, what I've been through, what I've done and, you know, what I, what I'm going to do um, and really just try to educate everybody, you know, on what disability is, um, what cerebral palsy is, you know, the world of Paralympics and really just try to educate as many people as possible because, for 21 years of my life, I had no idea what the Paralympics were. I had no idea that the Paralympics existed. I had no idea there was an entire world that I could be, you know, entered in. And that's the biggest thing for me. And the reason why I, I push myself to be, you know, to try to use my platform to educate and to excel the world of, of para sport, because I don't want there to be another kid. If I can have anything to do with it, I don't want there to be another kid that grew up the way that I grew up. 21 years of their life, not knowing that there's an entire world that they would be accepted in, that they could excel and succeed in, and that, and that would celebrate them for who they are. Because the outside world, you know, has such a negative connotation around the word disability. And in, in the world of Paralympics, no one uses the word disabled, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a lighthearted joke to us, you know, the, they have Paralympic athletes, disabled athletes have the best senses of humor and no one would ever know it. And, you know, it's just seeing people, you know, steal each other's uh, prosthetic legs and hide each other's wheelchairs and, you know, just do certain things just to mess with each other because that's just who we are. We're normal people, you know, and um, that's the biggest thing is just to educate as many people as possible. And that's probably what this book will be, you know, a highlight of, of the things I've been and um, a highlight of the dark times I've been through, really just to educate everyone about who I am in the world of terror sport. Um, and then, you know, what to look forward to, because there's a lot, a lot that's going to happen. I want to give a big shout out to your mom, Stephanie, your rock and your why. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's actually in the other room. She probably can hear me right now just laughing at me. But uh, yeah, man, she's, she's everything to me. You know, she's the reason why I do what I do. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of we butt heads we, we are honestly we're probably the same the same person you know um my, my family is very close um you know they're very loving very supportive and they've always believed in me um you know but she's she's definitely been the one you know every step of the way to do you know everything possible to help me get in the position that i am now um you know her my dad and my brother have been have been my absolute rocks but i'm definitely a mama's boy through and through she's she's everything to me and you know that's the first thing i'm going to do when i finally you know quote unquote make it you know it's, it's my first thing to do is just take care of her in your recent interview that you had with marcos Papadatos over at digital journal it was written each day he is motivated by his family and you say uh, I am a big mama's boy. Everything I do is for my mom, he said. I want to be in a position in my life where I can take care of my mother and my father and my brother. That's the reason why I do what I do, to repay them for everything that they have done for me. What I would like to ask Nick, how is what you are doing? What does that do in repayment for your strength? and diligence and perseverance. What are you doing for yourself while you're also building this legacy, building this this career, wanting to help your family? Where do you sit in all this? Uh, you know, I, 
personally, I take a back seat to all that. You know, I don't really, I'm not really thinking, you know, I definitely take care of myself as much as I can. There's a lot of, you know, internal battles, internal, you know, um, understanding of, of things, you know, about who I am without, without sport, you know, who I am as, as a person. It's something that I've been, you know, thinking about and fighting. And, you know, I've gotten uh, a lot of professional help, uh, you know, along the way. And I'm not, you know, shy to admit it. You know, I think everybody should dive deep into, you know, who they are um, with their career and without. And, you know, what makes them truly happy. And, you know, what makes me happy right now is, you know, just doing everything I can, knowing that on the other side of it, my family will be taken care of. Because for a long time, you know, they set aside their own personal goals, their, you know, fun for themselves and their careers and, and certain things that they want to do for themselves to, you know, drive me four or five, six hours to, you know, another state to play a game, um, to get recruited somewhere. Um, and, you know, my brothers especially put his own career on hold to help coach me for the last two years and really um be a part of this journey with me to push me to the level that we got and that's why i was so emotional in tokyo in that final race because the 200 specifically something that him and i worked on um a, a lot and it's something that was probably you know it's my favorite race but it was definitely the the hardest one for me to finish because i knew my hamstring had already gone you know I, and that's something that we trained we worked on and you know i really just wanted to break that 22 barrier and um, do it for him and, and to be able to do that uh, felt so good and I just couldn't help but cry and just wish that he were there you know um, but I'm not really to be honest I'm not really thinking about me and I know you know some people are probably gonna shake their head and tell me that I need to start but uh, I think I think I got a pretty good handle on things right now and I think I, I'll be all right but <laughs> that's funny that's true <laughs> that's something I didn't really think about you know where do I sit in all this yeah maybe I need maybe I need to talk to my therapist about that we'll see <laughs> Seriously, you know, <laughs> self-care is excruciatingly important, if not, uh, if not, it is, it is excruciating. I was wondering, am I using the mm -hmm. right word? But it is true. It is imperative. Yeah. Because if you're not thinking about yourself, then the question is, is who's thinking about you? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And that, it actually hit me, you know, for a long time, I battled with, um, a long time and I still do it's not you know it's not really I don't think you really defeat it it's something that you you know if you you know, you don't really people don't really understand unless you've been in that situation you know when I remember when it all started when I was you know when I was 14 and I had my grandma seizure and I really lost everything uh, you know I was on cloud nine playing with the DC United Academy at the time which was one of the top programs in the country um, in Washington DC with the DC United uh, professional team in the MLS, their academy team was playing with them. And, you know, I had played a really, really good weekend, scored a couple of goals um, versus New York Red Bulls, had, you know, University of Maryland, UVA, UCLA, U.S. national team scouts everywhere. Um, and I was, you know, 13, 14 at the time and was given an opportunity of a lifetime. And I performed really well, probably the best two games I've ever had. And that Monday, my coach pulled me aside uh, and said, you know, you won the starting spot. Congratulations. You've earned it. Um, and I talked to the University of Maryland scouts after the games, and that's where my mom went to school. That's where I wanted to go and play college soccer. That was my dream school. And, you know, I was talking to them. They were interested. And, you know, it was, I was on cloud nine. You know, I remember getting home and telling my mom, you know, don't worry about it. I got everything. We're good. I'm going to go go to Maryland, play pro soccer. I got you. We're good. And then that was that Monday, um, you know, that I won that starting job. And then three days later on that Thursday is when I woke up and had my grandma seizure and lost everything. 
and you know was told i would never play soccer again so to go from you know cloud nine to rock bottom in you know a, a less than a time span of less than a week um, you know really shake someone up and i went through a really really dark time in my life and that's when it really started and i really just had to battle every single day since then to really try to find you know happiness in the sense of what it what i was back you know when i was 13 14 years old before it all happened and you know it's something i still battle every day and with everything that i have now you know to have breaking to have broken three world records and win three gold medals and to play silver in a race that i've never run professionally before you know it's incredible and i'm very proud of what i've done but you know it hasn't really hit me yet and it's crazy to say that you know things like that don't necessarily make me happy um, you know, I'm always just trying to think about what's next, what's next, what's next. And after all this, you know, without those are all materialistic things and records that eventually will be broken. So, you know, after all that, what's there to, you know, what's there left? You know, who's who's Nick Mayhew, the person and how, you know, what makes him happy? And, you know, that's something I'm still working about um, now. And, you know, I fight with every day and, you know, it's a, I'm working on it and it's getting better and better. I don't want people to worry, but. No, it's it's true. You know, you just have to really look yourself in the mirror and you know have that real honest conversation. And it's it's a tough conversation to have, and it's sad. It hurts, but it, it's it, it's it's real, and it's something that you you really need to look in and take care of. Have you ever asked yourself, God, the universe, whatever it is that you believe in, Nick, even mm-hmm. in, in yourself, why me? And what is it about this new position that I'm in? Why was I given this responsibility to inspire and to motivate? Did you ever think of that or ask that? Absolutely. I mean, every single day I ask. I mean, it's the first. It's I. I think about it all the time. You know why? Yeah. It's it's honestly just it's so frustrating because you know I, I think about that all the time. You know, I think about where I would be. You know, if I didn't have this disability, you know, if I wasn't born this way, you know, uh, what type of athlete could I be in able-bodied sports, you know, and, you know, I, I proved it, um, you know, playing in college at a division one college, you know, winning a starting spot is something that, that a coach never told me I would do, um, you know, scoring, scoring a goal in, in a game, you know, I scored however many goals I, I did score you know that's another thing and you know some of my own coaches that I look up to and and you know really had behind my uh, you know back in me growing up you really just turned and were like you know what you're, you're not good enough you're not going to be able to do this and you know and I'm sorry to say but you're just you know you don't have it and you know to be able to prove those people wrong and do those things that you know that they said I would never be able to do is the reason why and you know that's that's exactly it you know I was put on this earth to educate and to inspire people and to really try to figure out, you know, what my place is in this world. And, and, you know, for a long time, I took it as a negative why and a negative question to to God and to everybody, you know, why was I born like this and to doctors, especially, and they don't even have the answers, you know, it's, it's just something that I have to figure out for myself. And, you know, uh, I think I've turned it into a very positive why, you know, I, I ask myself, you know, now that I'm in the position, it, it's now come from a, a why, a negative why as to why and was I born like this? And now it's what can I do for, what can I do now? You know, what can I do to positively affect anybody else? Um, and, you know, I just want to continue to use my voice and my platform and my story to positively inspire and affect other people. And that that's what truly makes me happy. You know, that knowing that, you know, 
opening uh, i never really like look at my instagram direct messages or any social media comments and stuff on youtube or anything like that um but you know oftentimes i'll go on and i'll get personal messages from kids and parents you know telling me that they read my story or watch me run or you know are inspired by what i'm doing and you know thought to give up and quit and they watched me and heard me speak and read my story and now they're going back to the track or starting to play soccer again and really revived them and motivated them to want to keep going and parents asking me questions about you know things that my parents saw and really just helping them and that right there feels better than you know breaking any world record or winning any amount of medal you know any type of money that right there knowing that i have a positive change in someone else's life that i do not know is better than anything and i think that that's my why so I think I've turned it from a negative to a positive, and that's what you have to do no matter what career or life path you're on. You know, you just have to find the positives in everything and try to understand the reason why you were put here. Here's something that came to mind. Before this new transition in your life, Nick, mm-hmm. how appreciative were you before compared to where you are now with yourself and your new position? not at all you know before before i think i understood everything um you know i was very very hard-headed very stubborn um you know i was i was a nightmare for my parents growing up you know just was very defiant um thought i knew everything and didn't want to be told anything by teachers or coaches or my parents or my older brother who i look at sort of you know he's my best friend and everything like that but he he was also you know a a parent type figure in my life growing up and i just didn't want to listen to anybody and i was very i was very stubborn and unappreciative to to anything you know and because after i had my diagnosis and told i would never play soccer again i was very angry and unappreciative of everything and thought that you know life was against me the world was against me um you know it's my fault and not really just didn't understand and then you know i i came to terms with you know my disability and my life now and how much of a change my story uh can have to other people and now you know having gone through the experience of playing you know professional soccer and you know publicly speaking to to kids and uh universities and teenagers and, and positively changing their experiences as well there's people that um, still hit me up and say you know hey i went back and listened to that speech that you gave and you know ran my race and hit a new time and thank you for your advice it did this and this for my career things like that and i've become very appreciative of now reflecting on everything and if i hadn't gone through everything that i did if i wasn't born with cerebral palsy i don't think i would have worked as hard as i did to get where i am today if i wasn't born with cerebral palsy i've never been introduced to some of the people that i've met today that have changed my life you know, I think I would have gone down a very different uh, path in life. And so now, uh, as I sit in this chair today talking to you, I'm very appreciative of, you know, the position I'm in, uh, my family, my support system, and those I truly love and that love me. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Remembering who you were before, as you just shared, do you believe, Nick, that if you had continued on a path that you were on, before the new position that you have when it comes to adaptability, do mm-hmm. you believe your life could have been shortened or and less less of value when it comes to understanding than where you are at now? Meaning, do you believe 
without, you don't even have to go into detail, remembering who you were and what you just said about your life before, could you have gone down a path that could have led you in a direction to emotionally, mentally, and or physically check out of this world sooner than you may have wanted to go? No, 100%. Without a doubt. No hesitation. Um, there is absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's definitely hard to, you know, talk about, and but it needs to be talked about. Like I said, you know, it's something that I've never really talking to talking about publicly or really just mentioned, but you know, mental health is a very big piece to it. And there, I I remember you know just being in such a dark place, not understanding everything. And if I didn't have the support system that I have, you know, if I didn't have my mom and she didn't care and love love and love me and you know everything that I told her I was going to do and really believe that my brother too, you know, he's, he was there every step of the way, you know, I would get home from, I would get home from practice and get frustrated because I couldn't do something with my left foot. And he would he'd be like, all right, come on, let's go. And we'd go out into the street and we'd set up five or six cones and we would just do dribbling drills until the street lights came on and we went inside and I would be, I would walk inside crying because I would still, I'd be doing it for three, four hours and just be frustrated because I couldn't do it as well as my right. And I didn't understand. And it just got to a point where after my diagnosis and, you know, being told I would never play soccer again, I didn't know what my purpose was in this world. I, you know, I was, I was very, very confused with everything because, you know, I thought I was put on this earth to play soccer. And, you know, I was very good at what I did. I was one of the most talented 14 year olds, in Virginia and had a very very promising soccer career ahead of me. And, you know, for that to happen and be ripped away, I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I didn't love anything else. I didn't have any interest in anything else. I didn't know I didn't want to have a nine to five job. I couldn't sit in a cubicle or an office chair the rest of my life. I knew I could not do that. And it got to a point where, you know, a really, really dark place where I just didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, want to be here. And, and, you know, I've been battling that ever since. And especially with the pandemic and everything last year, it was just very, very tough to, you know, stay on that right path, stay positive and really understand that there is, there's light at the end of the tunnel and just to stick with it and have those deep conversations. Because the way that I worked for a long, long time, I just bottled everything up. Um, you know, I never really spoke to anybody um, because I was afraid of what they would say or do or judge the, the way I was feeling or tell me I was wrong. Because I grew up my whole life telling or being heard no and being told that there's nothing wrong with me and you know there's nothing wrong it's just your weak side it's just you know your left side your right hand and right foot dominant you know there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong and just being told no so i shut up i didn't tell anybody else you know i i just failed silently and just got more and more angry and it got to a point where you know if i did one more thing then that was it and it's tough but absolutely um you know, there was, if I went down a different path, I definitely would not, don't think that I would be here today. And, you know, if I didn't have the support system and be as open as I am to talk about it, to learn and to appreciate what life is and what I have in front of me and the things that I'm going to do still, uh, for sure, I definitely would not be here today. Are you still angry? No, not at all. Um, I've definitely... I've definitely come to terms with everything that, you know, I was born with and dealt with and the things that I've been through, I am, you know, completely have forgiven my past and accepted my past. So I wouldn't say that there's any anger, um, you know, but 
like anything else in in life, you know, you just kind of question and, you know, or just, there's often times where I'm like, oh, well, you know, I would be able to do this if I wasn't born with CP or, you know, especially when I'm getting like, like uh, what's it called? Uh, dress shirts, buttons on dress shirts are the hardest thing for me to do. And like, that should be an Olympic sport within itself. Um, but for me personally, like things like that, that I laugh off, you know, I'm very comfortable about it. Now I make, I make, you know, some dark humor jokes pertaining to myself that, you know, uh, with, with my certain disability, um, that, you know, my mom or, or other people in my life don't necessarily think are funny, but I do, you know, I laugh it off. So it doesn't make me upset, but I wouldn't say I'm angry. It's just, you know, something I'm dealing with and, um, we'll, we'll have to for the rest of my life. Before I get into airing live this clip, we have Nick Mayhew, three-time gold medalist, silver champion, one silver with us today. Live on air with Stephen Cook on Power 98.5, covering so many things when it comes to Olympics, his perseverance, his strength, his endurance, and most importantly, his adaptability through mental health, physical uh, physical health, emotional health. Do you believe, and here's, one, here's something to sum all this up, to ask you, do you mm-hmm. believe that the the positioning of cp has given you the real opportunity to live a real life a fruitful life that you can have the power and empowerment to understand to envelop and to embody appreciation of who nick mayhew is what nick mayhew is about and where Nick Mayhew would like to go in his life? Um, yes and no. Uh, I would say that CP necessarily didn't, I don't think that specific disability or diagnosis gave me any of that to a certain extent. I think that, you know, just coming to the realization and understanding and having the appreciation for who I am with and without that, because I'm not defined by that. I've never have been and I never will be. I will never define myself as, you know, Nick Mayhew, Nick Mayhew comma, cerebral palsy, and I never will, um, you know, because I'm so much more than that. And any other disabled athlete will tell you the same. They're not defined by their disability at all because the majority of disabled athletes, you know, lived a majority of their life living a normal life and then unfortunately had an event to where, you know, whether they're an amputee or a war veteran and have traumatic brain injury and things like that, they're, you know, I don't think that they would able be labeled as that or defined by it. But without CP, I think that I would have lived a, a very different life. Um, and who's, who's to know what path I would have taken and, you know, how inspirational or motivating or, you know, the, to be in a position I am now, um, I don't think without CP, I don't think I would be in such a motivational or inspiring or role model type position that has been given to me today, um, without it. So I'm very appreciative of that because I think that's something that a lot of people, especially celebrities and people that are in positions of power, whether it be athletes or anything, those people that are considered role models are only considered role models because they're given that platform. I think a lot of professional athletes, a lot of celebrities tend to forget that is that the platform that they are given can be taken away from them as quickly as it was given to them. And it's, it's very sad to see. 
and um, I've been very lucky to have, you know, my coach, Coach Cav, and um, my brother, my father, my mom, and you know those those veteran athletes that I look up to, that are very very smart and understanding of those things in life, the maturity that I didn't hold for a long, long time. And I'm still learning. I'm still maturing. There's a lot of things and a lot of mistakes that I make and things that I do that, um, you know, aren't right. But I think that I've been forced to grow up very early in my life because of CP. And I'm very thankful for that um, because I think I would have led a very different and more negative path than positive um, if I wasn't. So I think it's a yes and no question, but you know I wouldn't change anything in my life um, up until this point because I am the man I am today because of the things I've gone through and the people that I've had surrounding me. What's going to make you a New York Times bestselling author is what you just expressed and what I saw in my head, what I heard is all encompassed to self-identification. And when you publish your book, when you do your book tour, when all of this comes to light and fruition, you have been gifted best of two worlds and best of two worlds to where you have expressed repeatedly in several different ways that you're not limited. There are no limitations where you are an educator where you will facilitate the help and responsibility and encouragement to self-identification because there are millions of people, and you know this through mental health, that Mm -hmm. have such fragmented personalities, a persona, and once again, self-identification. They're split into different areas. You went through, you know, as you, when you were sharing what you were feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, you know, expressed, you know, in its fragmentation, you know, by different people, um, either being downplayed or maybe not have, you know, looked into as uh, consistency as it should or have taken what you had said. So there is a way to where you're you're offering a voice and a voice to remind people um, you don't have to cry out just at times when necessary. Speak loudly. Don't suppress Mm -hmm. your voice. Don't allow or give someone else permission to suppress Mm -hmm. your voice and what you believe. You have been positioned with great responsibility. And within that great responsibility, when you start public speaking, you're doing public speaking right now. You know, this, Mm -hmm. this is radio. This is public speaking. You, it's going to all, you have had your aha moments, but you're really going to have a lot more in the future. And I believe it. You're going to have a lot Mm -hmm. more outside of therapy, a lot more out off of the field, the track, out of soccer, the, the self revelation, revelation and the self identification you are experiencing in your life. No one can say to you that you don't understand what it's like to to live like before CP and what it's like mm-hmm. to live life with CP and then what it's like to live life in adaptability. Mm-hmm. You're going to be having many people shut up, <laughs> listen, ask good or great questions, but most importantly, you are an expert at what you do and what you know, because experience 
proves within itself no different than education or someone going out to be a doctor or sports experience is what facilitates true um, its true identity when it comes to knowledge and understanding you, mm-hmm. you you've um you've you've been gifted with a lot in a way where some people may or may not understand, but we all do and can relate to you. I can relate to you and where you're teaching me and reminding me. It's about choices. It's about how how I move forward in my life and where do I stand within myself and my own power and empowerment and where do I allow others to have that control and should they have that control? Where do they have permission to have that control? You're doing great things and you're going to continue to do great things. And I just hope you know that it really is all about self-identity and you're going to save a lot of people from emotional, mental. You're going to bring ease and caution and uh, pause and even comfort to your own personal self-identification through your testimony. I appreciate that. Thank you. You are welcome. Now, Let's go and play this clip. I'm, I'm looking forward. I did not watch it thoroughly. I like to be there you know, for the first time, get your, get your response, get your <laughs> thoughts in this. But let's hear what you <clears throat> have to say. A great personality for our sport. Nick Mayhew, another world record. What a games for him. And after it all, he's with Lewis Johnson. Well, Nick, tell me about the emotion in your eyes, on your face. This means everything. This one's special. Me and my brother worked so hard to get here. And I just, uh, I wish he was here. Thomas, we did it. I love you so much, man. I'm coming home. Tell me about Thomas and the relationship and how he helped you get to this he's, moment. He's my best friend. He's, he's one of the only ones that really believed from day one that I could do this. A year and a half ago, I, sit, I sat across the table from my coach and told him that I was gonna break the world record in every single event that I tried to run. And my brother really believed it. And he's the one that pushed me every single day. And I just wish more than anything that he could be here. Well, I'm sure he's proud of you. And I'm sure he'd like to know just some of the insights of this race. When you stood behind the blocks there, you had a chance to make history. and You did it again. But from the first turn, the only turn there, through the straightaway, mechanically, what was happening there that was just so right? I mean, to be honest, my legs are done. <laughs> my hamstring in the, in the 200 yesterday, I came around the bend and I felt my hamstring get a little tight. And in that moment, I just said, you know what, let's go for it. I knew I wanted to break the world record in the prelim, just like I did the one. And I had the relay, came back. I mean, my hamstring is definitely about to go. And I just can't wait to take these cleats off and relax <laughs> and eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. That's all I can think about. A box of Oreos, that sounds great. You've, you've made some incredible history here. First back to this race, the first Paralympian under 22 seconds. How significant is that? I mean, the records are cool. All the, all the accolades feel really good, but it's just what really matters is just the work that I know I put into this. All that stuff is for, for you guys, for the, for the people that watch the sport, that appreciate the sport. I mean, for me, that stuff is just, that stuff for y'all. I don't really focus about that. I just care about what I can have fun out here and what I can do on the track. So I'm looking forward to everything else to come. Oh, those are significant barriers, and it looks like you're going to break more of them. And I've got to ask you this. Um, after the race, twice you struck a pose. Tell me about that, because that belongs to the Jamaican from yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> Usain Bolt. I mean, that's where it all started. You know, Usain Bolt was my first inspiration. 
you know, and I used to just watch videos, videos and videos on YouTube of him, you know, and I know he's recognized the Paralympics on Twitter, on social media, and I know he's a fan. He's worked with us um, directly, so it just feels good, you know, to be able to come out here and break those records and do everything that he set the standard for. You know, I really look up to him, so I had to pay homage to him, to the legendary GOAT. Thank you for pushing me. You'll leave here with an incredible uh, hall of medals, records, and memories. Uh, what will you be telling people when you get back home about this experience here in Tokyo? As soon as I get home, what's next? That's all it is. Back to work. I'm going to enjoy a nice little time off. I'm going to go to the beach and see my family, <laughs> hug my mom and my dad, and I just uh, we're going to sit down with my team and decide what's next. I'm excited. Nick, incredible. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Big shout out to Thomas. Thanks, sir. <laughs> How did it feel to hear that's, that? It was, I, that's the first time I heard it back. That's, uh, I hate listening to myself talk. Uh, being in public speaking, that's going to have to be something I get over. But that was emotional, man. That's, I mean, it's cool to hear it back, hear the treatment. You can hear it in my voice. And I couldn't help but not get super emotional and cry a little bit um and to really just take back and and relive that feeling that emotion and what that really really felt like and it was incredible you know it was <clears throat> i mean that was that was fun and it's just exciting knowing you know from that point figuring out what's next now knowing what's next and knowing that you know the next times we've set for me to hit and you know the day one i remember sending a call from my coach and listing out the times that i wanted to run which were the world records and saying i'm going to break this one break this one break this one and i broke you know all three um kudos to to Vidovin for breaking setting the new 400 record but i broke the old one i did what i said i was going to do and you know and and it's funny now that because he's right back on my wall. You know, I have his I have his time up on my wall now, and another uh, thing to aim for. And I'm just super excited. But that was uh, it's emotional, man, to to look back and and you know reflect on everything for sure. As you know, I am a 29 year veteran in the world of public relations and media, mm -hmm. and the best and most generous compliment I can give you is that you are a public relations dream. You are, you have all the bells and whistles of great contribution and, uh, identity and you're, you're going to ever so evolve beyond what is considered a normal human being. Your evolution is going to be extraordinary. You are a Superman in the Olympics, in soccer. You're going to be a Superman when you become, uh, I'm going to say, and, and, and put it out there, a New York Times bestselling author, uh, public speaker. I can see you doing many, many great things. I know you're going to do many great things because your stubbornness, the perseverance, and who you are is perfectly designed to make it in anything and everywhere within a direction you want to go in your life and in your career, Nick. I appreciate that. That means more than you know. So thank you. Absolutely. So with that, we are uh, coming to an end of this interview. Thank you to everyone uh, here and all around the world for tuning in, being here with Nick Mayhew, an extraordinary and most talented and gifted Olympic three-time gold medalist, 
soon-to-be author, soccer professional. Yeah, I already say he's already public speaking. He's doing that today for himself and being a great advocate for others. Who would you like to give a shout out to? Um, you know, just uh, I'll keep it. I'll keep it light and you know repetitive. Just everybody. There are very few. You know, there's not very many um, people in my in my circle within my team. You know, Coach Cav, Thomas, Jason. You know, my dad and my mom. You know, those people that you know have been with me every step of the way. That truly believe in everything that I do. You know, no matter what I say, as ludicrous as it may be. You know, I truly love those people. And there's a select few more um, that have really proven their way. But, you know, they, they know who they are and, and I love them. And so thank you guys. But, you know, we're just getting started and I'm going to do exactly what I did in Tokyo again in Paris. And then, you know, keep an eye out for 2026. Where would be the best go-to place to connect with you? Is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? Is it your website? It is everything. You know, my website is something I worked hard on, uh, nickmayhew.com. Uh, I just released some some merchandise. It has my brain scan and some of my accolades on the back, which is which I think is pretty cool to define me. Um, you can find that at nickmayhew.com slash shop. But all my social media, my Instagram, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, and Twitter, all are at Nick Mayhew, N-I-C-K-M-A-Y-H-U-G-H. Um, I try to be as active and as personal and fun and you know inspirational and everything that you can think of positively on social media you know and that's really truly the person that i am i don't put on a face or a front it's just who i am so if you ever need anything you know reach out and i'll do everything i can to help you Uh, but thank you steve for having me i really appreciate you and your time absolutely now hold the line uh definitely uh you're going to be part of the closeout but definitely want to like uh close out with you personally before we uh move forward mm-hmm. on our day um and on the nick mayhew.com n-i-c-k-m-a-y-h-u-g-h.com go to the shop i see you've got some hoodies you got a t-shirt you've uh you've even got um uh, a black t-shirt there showing i guess that would be your uh was that your ekg or what was that my mri your that's MRI. my mri yep mm-hmm. it shows the dead spot on the right side of my brain because oftentimes people tell me i'm not disabled i don't look disabled all these things so that's why i put a i blew it up and put it right there on their back to be able to wear every day that's what my brain looks like and the fact that i'm here is a miracle within itself um you know so it's it's pretty cool to have are you optimistic? And if you could teach me and, and, and the audience something, um, is this area, as I'm looking at the photo, could that change and get um, any better? Or could that change and get worse? Or is that going to basically stay the way it is and the way that you take care of yourself and and in uh, what you do? It just doesn't um, it, it just doesn't get any different. Yeah, it's it, that's pretty much as stagnant it's going to be. Um, it definitely can't get any better. So what that is, the the dark matter is just a dead spot within my brain. It's just an active um, part of my brain. And so that's just, the, I can't grow back. It's never going to become active. And the only thing I really can do is just work every day um, to really try to compensate for everything that that specific spot would have been able to control, which it doesn't, and compensate for it. Um, and really just try to teach my body and try to build those neurons neurological pathways to help control the left side of my body, which is super, super tough and 
it's damn near impossible. But you know, I'm I'm here now and I'm living proof that something can be done for it. But that'll probably stay the same, if not get a little bit worse. But we'll see. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. Well, let's just talk. Well, miracles can happen every day. So, and you're a miracle in itself. And uh, with that being said, uh, we're all going to stay optimistic and positive and put those good prayers and those, those good energies out there for you. And I hope you Thank do you. that even for yourself. Remember, include you into this. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, big shout Thank out. You. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, big shout out to Connor. Uh, if you uh, would like to book Nick, you can email Connor at Olympus Sports Group, C-O-N-N-O-R at olympussportsgroup.com. Nick, thank you. I'm really, really proud of you. And um, I say that in a very, very much uh, mature, um, in an adult way, because uh, sometimes I know it could be like, oh, I'm like I'm not a kid. You're not a kid. You're a, 20, you're a 25 <laughs> success. Uh, prodigy but at the same time I am very proud of you because you you're putting yourself first and you're showing great self-care whether you realize it all the time or not um, you being mm-hmm. here every time you compete what you're doing when you come out with your book when you do your public speaking in your interviews um, it really is a testimony and uh, it's a testimony about you and it's a testimony of who you are by gifting us um, uh, this transparency to let us know who you really are, what you've been through, what you're going through, and how you are really uh, moving throughout this journey, throughout your life, in a very, very strong and responsible way. I mean, so that means more than you know, my man. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. I don't take that. I don't take that lightheartedly or as a child at all. I, I appreciate that in the most mature sense that I can put it. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Like I said, just uh, just stick with us here, Nick. Uh, thank you to everyone. Absolutely. Uh, Nick Mayhew, three-time gold medalist, uh, one silver medal, extraordinary Olympic. Uh, I'm going to say iconic. Gentleman, really reminds me he's like a, a, a Batman, a Superman, and uh, 007 all wrapped up in one. Head over to his Instagram, go to his website, support him, nickmayhew.com, N-I-C-K-M-A-Y-H-U-G-H.com. Get over to the shop section, get some good clothes. Got a really great selection there. Uh, you can reach out to his manager, Connor, Connor at Olympus Sports Group. And uh, definitely go and check out um, Nick's Instagram. Have a great day, everyone. And if you didn't catch this entire episode, tune in tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific. Recap on this live interview. We're live today, but we're not going anywhere. We're going to continue to have more of Nick with this episode airing tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Power 98.5. Download the iOS Android app. Tune in on Alexa. Uh, You can go to radio.com, known as odyssey.com, live radio FM, streamitter.com, Streama, MyTuner. We are all over the place. Now, the reach we have, 200 countries and counting. Have a great afternoon, everyone. We'll be back again.
Find us on your socials and let's connect.